Charlie Brown there. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino. Joined here by my co-host and star of the show, Tanner D'Agostino, and this is The Sauce, episode 398. This will be our last presentation for the year. We'll resume our regularly scheduled programming on January 8th, so we'll be off for two weeks. We will be playing older shows, some of your favorites that you voted on, so you'll get to hear some of those. And please catch up on I mean, we, we've we've turned out 398 in uh, less than two years, so that's almost one every day. So I'm sure you got to catch up. But uh, today got a loaded show for you on the sauce. Before we start, just want to thank our fan base subscribers. We're trying to get to 62,000 by the new year. We're about 600 shy right now. Uh, you reached the goal. I asked you to 60,000. Then I upped it, just as coaches do, to 61. You delivered there. Now I'm challenging you one more time to 62. I think we'll do it. Um, also want to thank Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, coffee is on the sauce this month and I think all of 2024. So he must have got himself a paper route in the meantime here. So Tanner, what's your code? It's TAND20, T-A-N-N-D-20, all caps. So TAN20, T-A-N-N, all caps, 20. Uh, that'll get you 20% off at checkout. Plus you can... You can uh, Gets coffee on the sauce all of 2024 as well. He's got deep pockets, this guy. Um, and then last thing, last push for Ted Kubiak's book before the holiday, Old School and How to Field a Ground Ball. Should be on every baseball lover's bookshelf. Great stocking stuffer for your baseball fans. So um, with that, welcome back to your show, Tanner. Uh, I'm excited to have another episode of The Sauce. Yeah, you've done a uh, pretty good following. We've got uh, some some new listeners that are coming to the show through not just your, I guess, your age bracket, don't want to age you here, but also uh, the topics. We're covering some college sports now. We'll move into college basketball with the sauce as we enter the new year and get past the championship rounds of football. And then we'll, we'll uh, obviously assimilate into college baseball as we get into the spring. So with today's show, <coughs> excuse me, ironically, we uh, announced on our last show that we had heard rumors that Florida State was going to try to make an exit from the ACC after complaining that the ACC doesn't get respect. Now, they did They did complain in February because they were providing the bulk of the, the money, the profits for the leagues. They felt they were carrying it. But in light of their recent, in their mind, their snub from the championship rounds, they had a meeting with the Board of Governors, I guess, yesterday. So why don't, why don't you share what you know about this right now? Because you're the one that's got the source and you're the one that heard the information before it hit the wire last week and also last night. Well, Florida State is going to sue the ACC over a grant of rights. It's going to be $130 million of a withdrawal fee. So um, Florida State is trying to get out of the ACC, as you mentioned, which to me is funny because... They were talking about how they were an undefeated Power 5 conference and how undefeated Power 5 conferences need to be in the playoff, but now they're leaving because that conference isn't as good as a Power 5 conference should be. Yeah, they're not a Power 5 conference. We all know that. It's uh, Alabama, you know, an undefeated SEC team would have been a two-touchdown favor to them. I did enjoy watching them when they were healthy, but, you know, people want to compare 
the NFL playoffs to this and said, you know, Jacksonville lost their quarterbacks and now they're not in the play. It's not the same thing. Uh, in fact, we'll talk a little bit about it, this, the dysfunction of the NCAA. We're not agreeing with the way they're run. Uh, it's an $8 billion industry with no CEO or no leader. That's uh, not a good place to be. So Florida State is flying the coop. Uh, looks like they're going to sue. They've got an $830 million buyout. I believe yep. that's what they're trying to sue for to minimize that penalty. Um, and where do you believe they're going to go? Uh, Big 10 is the most likely. I I mean, it's the most likely. It's the best conference. You win that conference, you get an automatic first-round buy. That's probably the most likely. Yeah, well, I mean, so do all the Power Fives, but that conference is loaded. Uh, they, they certainly picked off the Pac-12. And SEC is traditionally very good, but boy, it's going to be a power two next year, without question. Do you think anybody will follow Florida State? Uh, Miami, if anybody, it's going to be Miami. Yeah, we, we heard you. We mentioned that last week, and haven't heard anything definitive. But I would have to imagine Miami's letting Florida State lead the way, and they'll just draft off them as they go. So Florida State Board of Governors meeting last night, looking to sue the ACC. So they can exit it. I didn't read any timetable as to the exit, whether it would be immediate or they would uh, you know, have to do it in a year. But I would have to imagine they want them out now. Yeah, I would have to assume they want out now. Okay. So uh, other bit of news we've got, of course, our, our one of our favorites to watch. I, I like a steady diet of Harbaugh on the weekend, Saturday with Jim and Sunday with John. So what what's the latest on Jim Harbaugh with his with, with the NCAA, I guess? Well, the NCAA came out on a report on signing day that – it was more than just buying a kid a cheeseburger and that he purposely misled investigators in the investigation of the cheeseburger. We might be, I thought we were over that, but I guess we're coming back to it. Well, there, there were two, two violations. Level one had to do with, and the NCAA is the one that made the joke. It's, they said it's more than just a cheeseburger that he misled investigators during COVID, uh, during the COVID time period of recruiting. And this is where we're heading back to that time period where we all were discombobulated a little bit. And the, the irony of it is the NCAA is is coming after Harbaugh for misleading or for supposed misleading. We were all misled during COVID in a number of different ways, uh, socially, politically, uh, probably with, with our jobs in, in some capacity. So uh, the, the fact that they're coming down with a level one, which is not a major violation, they, they do frown upon, you know, when anytime you're misleading the investigator, that's when they hit you the hardest. So um, yeah, they came after him with that. And then they came after him with two level two violations to say he had impermissible contact with recruits during that time, which is, which is common with all the rule changes and all the time frame changes that it's, it's, that stuff is going to happen from time to time. When you find out you, you report yourself and you know, that you kind of just self penalize small, but when the NCA finds out it, it gets harsher, but so one level one, cheeseburgers. Yeah. Um, two level twos, which was impermissible contact, which could be something as simple as if you're a prospect Tanner and I'm a coach and I'm only allowed one phone call with you per week. And I call you on a Monday. If Monday starts my week, I can't call you again for seven days. So, and there's a way to manipulate the week. So it could be, it could be, uh, that in regard. But if I called you on that Wednesday again, that's impermissible contact. That's, That's one example of it. So, so Harbaugh, now how about the announcement of it on signing day? Yeah, I mentioned that that it was on signing day. I don't know. There's no way to see, tell if it was intentional or not, but it seemed intentional. He has, Harbaugh has spoken out about how paying the players, he, he ends every interview saying pay the players. So I 
uh, think there's some animosity towards Harbaugh by the NCAA there. You think <laughs> there's animosity towards him uh, with the NCAA. So before we move on to signing, and I, I, I'm not foolish. I believe it was intentional. They, they have control over when they release it. They created signing day, so they were very aware that they're releasing it on signing day. To, so to think that, you know, that that wasn't done intentionally, to leave it out would have been done intentional too. To say, hey, let's let's let signing day be the story instead of the sanctions. But they did it. It's a, it's on purpose. The NCA is is foolish. Uh, not to double use that word. So here's something I've got with the NCA before you go on. Get yourself ready to talk about the transfer portal. Who's number one? Who's number two? Some key transfers. Then we can get into National Signing Day just passed. So they're, they're, they have obviously the some big prospects signed and. But the NCAA is an $8 billion industry. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. a lot of zeros. They have no leader. No. There's, yeah. There's no leader. There's no CEO. There's no responsible individual stepping up and, and showing the way. An $8 billion industry with no leader alone, that's disaster. Yeah. Things are going to run amok. They have no scheduling coordinator. So we have, we still have a thing about... Florida State, but they want to compare it to the NFL. The NFL is a scheduling coordinator. There's a rhyme and there's a reason for the way things are done. They have none. Every, it's every man for themselves, every league for themselves. And now with the NIL, um, you know, people are complaining about players moving, and you're going to get into the both signings, and the NIL has a lot to do with those signings, the money being paid. But the NIL has no leader, no sanctions on it. Um, it was being done before. Now it's just legalized payment of players, which, hey, I'm, I'm for them uh, making money. I, I'm glad they're making some money, but they've, they've got to put some regulations on it. And they can't compare it to the NFL. These people that want to compare it to the NFL. The NFL has rules yeah. with free agency. College football has none at all. And they're just, they're running wild. And you can't blame it on them with no leader, with no leader in scheduling. And these teams are jumping conference. Why, why do, why are, why are people so mad at players for jumping ship? I agree. It's old fashioned. Hey, you want them to stay? And, and I do too, but, Think about the coaching ranks. College coaches have, uh, you know, it's not like pro coaching where there's pension plans and there's retirement plans and, you know, guys are a little bit more deliberate with their moves. In college coaching, there's none of that stuff. So when you're when you're a position coach, you want to be a coordinator as fast as you can. When you're a coordinator, you want to be a head coach. When you're a head coach, you want to get to a situation that's a bigger, stronger conference. Then you want to get to the primetime NIL school. So it's a transient world with college sports. And do you know? Do you know that football, men's and women's basketball, and I believe oh, I'm sorry, base, baseball and hockey were the only sports that had transfer regulations on them prior to all their sports. You could transfer and play right away. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's I knew that. Yeah. So I mean, w- why do these other sports have to sit? And the NIL money, yeah, they've got to control it, but that's that's not an us problem. That's an NCAA problem. So the teams with the most money right now, we're seeing them have the most. Uh, you know, a great effect on the transfer portal, great effect on signing. I think, in fact, we've had a couple guys commit and not sign on signing day because we don't have to, you know, we can read between the lines. They're waiting to get the highest bidder, basically. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Transfer, high school? Uh, let's start with transfers. Okay, who, who's our top dogs in the transfer portal? Like there's any surprise? Uh, Colorado is the number one team in the transfer portal. They killed transfer portal the last two years. Dion's great recruiter. He'll go out and he'll recruit. They're going to get the top players each and every year in the transfer portal. And wh- where were they deficient coming in, did you think? And did they did they answer the bell on that? 
Uh, O-line and D-line, they were probably the most efficient. D-line was a little less important. O-line was their biggest need, and they definitely answered the bell on that. There week, was a, week one, they signed six, right? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to one guy that's holding out. As you mentioned, there's a guy holding out. But other than that, they've been great. Who, who's the guy holding out now for Colorado? It is uh, Jordan Seaton, five-star offensive lineman. Oh, so this is a high school kid. Yes. Oh, okay, so we, I didn't I didn't mean to jump with the transfer to high school, but so we'll stick with the transfer. Who who's number two on the list? As if there's a surprise. Ole Miss is number two on the list. Uh, Lane Kiffin's getting great players. He's got a great D lineman from a uh, great D lineman from Texas A and M. His name is uh, Walter Nolan. That's a great signing. He's one of the best guys that enter the portal. Kiffin has done a great job, and there's a shot they might uh be one of the best teams in the SEC this year. I, I agree with that. He Now, what was funny is you and I both saw, he's crazy on social media. Yeah. And we both saw a social media post with a Texas A&M plane, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Maybe that's what it was. It could be, yeah. Now, <laughs> now that I think about it, it could be. So, um, okay, so Dion and, and Kiffin, are they're reinventing their programs with the portal. Dion needs to make the playoffs next year, or a bowl game, I should say. Um, Kiffin should, you know, probably shooting for that. You SEC know, championship. SEC yeah. championship, but also to be in the mix at the end with was it twelve teams or yeah. Okay. So yeah, I and I like both programs. I you know, the SEC rules the roof for has in college football. But without Harbaugh this year and without Dion, I don't think they get as good as ratings. No, they don't. Uh Michigan Ohio State was the highest rated college football game in a long time. It's nineteen million people watch that game. Yeah. That's the most in like at least ten years. Well, people were watching Dion when they were one and four, or two and two, whatever they were, two and four. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado State was the, one of the most watched games of the year, and I don't think if Dion wasn't there, there's no way that would have gotten on ESPN. No way game they would have been there, and there's no way it would have gotten the ratings it got. So yeah. people can bang on him; they bang on. I like Kiffin too. He's a little off the wall, but I think he's an offensive genius, and uh, he has he beats to his own drum, and he he admonishes the transfer portal and he admonishes NIL, but he's also pretty savvy with that stuff. He's, he's yeah. using it to a T. So uh, whether he agrees or not, I don't know, but he certainly is is making use of that stuff. Well, what else we got with the transfer portal? You got some big transfers that you want to talk about? Uh, big news. A couple days ago, Kyle McCord committed to Syracuse. That's a big one. And who we is had, that? Uh, Ohio State quarterback. Uh, he was Ohio, Ohio State's quarterback last year. That's a big one. We we were saying Nebraska or Syracuse. He ended, it looked like he was going to Nebraska. He ended up flipping to going to Syracuse. That makes no sense to me. It's got to make sense to somebody, but Syracuse is not a contender. Um, any inside information as to how, why, like what? You go from Ohio State where you, you know you're going to be in the playoffs next year. Why wouldn't he go to another playoff team? Well, Syracuse in the ACC isn't looking too bad if Florida State gets out. That's not too bad, but uh, I'm assuming NIL had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Fair point. NIL and, and you know, you can't go better than undefeated like Florida State did this past year. Yeah. But we would all agree probably if Florida State's quarterback was healthy that the committee would have had a hard time. Yeah. They would have fared better in their wins. They can't do better than undefeated, but they would have fared better and looked better. So so McCord to Syracuse, okay, big. that's a big name. Who else you got? Uh, Dante Moore, he committed to Oregon. We were we were probably saying Michigan was the most likely. He ended up going to Oregon. They have two quarterbacks they got in the transfer portal now. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, now Dante Moore. Dante Moore was only a freshman, so now he'll sit behind Dylan Gabriel for a year. He'll come back the next year, and they'll be fine. And that's, that's again? Uh, 
UCLA quarterback. Yeah, so they that's a he's a kingmaker there, right? Bo Nix went there. Yep. So uh, Nix had a great career. They've had they have a I mean they get the ball out in a hurry. Yeah. So whoever's there's quarterback is going to put up numbers, which means numbers means NIL money. Uh, numbers also means postseason yeah. awards and potential NFL draft. So it is a these kids are independent contractors right now playing at what used to be a team sport. Okay, who else you got in the portal? Um, the Kansas State quarterback Will Howard. He is looking like he might go to USC. Okay. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a really good chance that Caleb Williams goes to the NFL, be the number one draft pick there. And news came out that their backup quarterback was transferring, who was a five star. He was the number one recruit out of that class. So now they need a quarterback. They're going to go get Will Howard from Kansas State. Yeah, I, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to have a hard time. He had a down year this year, but he's, the, again, not to keep using the phrase kingmaker at quarterback, but he's another one you plug and play with him. And I love the kid from Kansas State. He, that, that's a good program. I think he's done really well with his time there and put him in that Lincoln Riley system and, uh, you know, watch out. You're, you're probably looking at a Heisman candidate. Yeah. Anybody else in the portal you want to chat about? I think we got all the guys that we're talking about today. Okay. So let's uh, let's mosey on down to the high school recruiting where NIL money is flowing still. And, you know, the portal are saying to get a good quarterback, you get, uh, you know, Nebraska's coach told us, yeah, rule, Matt Rule, a good, what, six, seven million to get a top-notch quarterback. Oh, and he was, he was pleading poverty. Yep. So somebody got a little richer, huh? Somebody got richer because he got the number one quarterback in the con- country high, at a high school. He he flipped. He was committed to Georgia. Obviously, that really doesn't mean anything right sure now. Sure does. Where's he from? Bu- well, Buford, Georgia. Yeah. Not the Georgia thing, but being committed is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah, I mean, decommitting is like uh, changing changing a shirt, T-shirt. So, yeah. But the fact that you got a Georgia kid, the two of the last three national championships, Georgia – He's a, you know, Kirby Smart's done a heck of a job recruiting, and he's the number one quarterback. Quarterback in the country. Not the number one prospect, the number one quarterback. Uh, Yes. Okay. So he's got to be pretty close to the top with prospects being a quarterback. So committed to Georgia. So why on earth would a young man from Georgia who committed to Georgia all of a sudden go to Nebraska? NIL money is my best guess. So Matt Rule pleaded poverty. Somebody in his university paid attention, yeah, and he said he needed a quarterback. Now, be careful what you wish for, yeah, because you better produce now. So, uh, good for him for getting them. Uh, you know, stake the claim in the state of Georgia, but Georgia's a hotbed. Yeah, there's a lot of prospects that are out there, a lot on your list that are from Georgia, even even from the same area, right? Yeah, Buford. Okay, so that's the number one quarterback name again. Uh, Dylan Riola. Dylan Riola going to uh, Nebraska to play for Matt Rule. Matt Rule did a heck of a job at Baylor. Sputtered in the NFL. Uh, Nebraska used to be a story program when I was growing up. You don't remember that. Uh, but they haven't been good for a long time. Hopefully you can return them back because I think football would be better yeah. if Nebraska's good. All right, go ahead. Next up. Uh, next one is also a quarterback, five-star quarterback from Willis, Texas, DJ Alagaway. He signed to Florida. That's a big-time gift for Florida. Uh, hopefully Florida's better. I, I like Florida when they're good. Yeah. Obviously that Urban Meyer one, that's when they won their national championship. I think Florida can make an emergence in the SEC. He, um, you know, they, they were ready to run head coach out of town. Um, and he was holding on for grim death for, for, uh, for DJ. 
last minute because there was a lot of talk that he was going to decommit. So you got a Texas kid, right, from Texas? Well, it's Texas, yeah. Going to Florida. Florida's a hotbed for talent. So to, to get somebody out of Texas, think about all the powerhouses that are in the state of Texas with football. Yeah. You know, forget the – even you got Texas Tech, a and Texas Tech, but then you go down to, you know, SMU is pretty good. So for him to get out of that southwest and get to the southeast, heck of a job by Florida bringing him in and holding on tight. So he's he's signed, sealed, delivered at Florida? Yes. Um, who else you got on your list there? Uh, Edric Houston, defensive lineman uh, from Buford, Georgia. Again. Signed to Ohio State. That is a – that's – Ohio State's going to push the trenches. They're going to try to get O-line. They're going to try to get D-line. Uh, Ohio State's going to try to get tougher as they've been – they were a lot tougher this year. Uh, they're going to try to win the trenches so they can beat Michigan, beat those big-time trenches teams. Now they got to play teams like Oregon, USC, Washington. They're going to try to get big-time bodies in the trenches, and that's a great start. Yeah, Ohio State used to be that way, and I, I, I believe you know they changed their style a little bit. They had they went you know heavy receivers. College football is certainly you know lends itself to that. Michigan, Alabama. Georgia, more uh, they really got football back to three yards in a cloud of dust. Where they're going to yeah. push at the line. They do have explosive players there that can you can they can throw. I know they've seen that, but you win it at the line. And we saw early in the season where Texas played Alabama, yeah. and they just shoved them around. I had never seen Alabama get shoved around like that before. And the Michigan's the same way. So Ryan Day has got to respond to the recent Michigan dominance the last three years, right? Yeah. He's lost three in a row. And he has to respond to getting better in those trenches. So let the the quarterback left, which has got to hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their response is for that though. I don't I'm sure they have quarterbacks there that are that'll that are just fine. They're at Ohio State. I think they'll be fine when it comes to quarterback. I think Ryan Day knows what it uh knows how to develop quarterbacks. As we saw Kyle McCord, he was struggling week one. Looked pretty good against Michigan. He did. I liked. I thought he got better and better each week. Which I, you know, the development over the time it's got to hurt with him walking out, uh, especially now. You got him, you know, getting ready to play bowl game. But I, kids got to take care of themselves. Yeah. And we saw a kid from Texas, right? The backup quarterback from yeah, Texas, Malik, Malik Leave. Um, hurt him. He said it hurt. Tough decision. I thought the coaching staff was very diplomatic about it. Sarkeesian yeah. came on and said it's. We don't want him to go. The kid was phenomenal here, but he's got to take care of himself. He understands that, you know, in order to get a great opportunity, he's got to leave now. So crazy world. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Florida earlier. I don't want to go back to them. We'll go, but Billy Napier, he responded. He was on his way out. They were yeah. talking about moving on from him this year. And uh, they signed 22 kids. Yeah. Now, you don't, you're not going to win with all freshmen. He better hit the portal a little bit. But uh, 22 kids, usually it's 25 is a signing class. Mm-hmm. But 22 to 25, that's a lot of youngins running around. So what uh, – and, and not, not, again, kind of make to your point, I had gotten something from the SMU coaches the other day talking about, you know, we, we you obviously with one-on-one, we handle recruitment for players. Uh, just to get the landscape from football standpoint, how they're breaking up recruiting nowadays. And these schools that are in the power conferences, SMU, I guess, consider a power conference or even in the top eight conferences, they're saying on average they sign 25 kids a year. And now schools at that level, they're looking for kids that either they recruited and finished second the first time around or left the home state and want to come back. Um, of the 25 that they'll sign every year, 22, or I'm sorry, not 22, uh, seven were high school kids. He said they would probably sign. 
18 would be transfers. So yeah. the, the, the signing of high school kids is getting uh, less and less. And of course, the lower levels will benefit from that, the lower mm -hmm. D1s again, and that just feeds the beast. They produce the lower levels, they jump to the higher levels. So um, who you got next with the high school recruiting here? Uh, Five-star safety. He flipped from uh, Florida State to Georgia now. Now they get a flip. Uh, they got also from Buford, Georgia. Wow, three of his, them. Yep, his name is KJ Bolden, five-star safety. That's obviously Georgia's going to have one of the top defenses in the country year in and year out. It's not a surprise that they got a five-star safety and a player that at the caliber of KJ Bolden. That's just a great gift from Georgia, and I think that's why they have the number one uh, recruiting class in the country. Yeah, and they run a single high deep with the safety, so their safeties are they are. Uh, coverage guys, but they're also second and third level tackle guys. So single high deep. Um, if you watch them again in the postseason, they play Florida state. Ironically, they got a flip, but that's what happens when you open your mouth about transferring and you, and you prove instability. Uh, you know, I don't know if they handle themselves right. I certainly have been barking at the moon a little bit, but uh, they went a little overboard with their, I'm sure that turned off some people, but also it just alerted others that this is not a power conference. So these kids are going to flip. Although I guess there was a. They got one. And they lost one, right? So it evened out in the end. Who you got next? Um, this is uh, the number one player in the country, as forementioned. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, five-star wide receiver. Ohio State's going to get receivers. That's what they do. He signed with Ohio State. Um, he's going to be the next Marvin Harrison Jr., the next uh, Mecca Buka, the next Garrett Wilson, the next Chris Olave. They're going to have great wide receivers year in and year out, and that's that's a great gift for Ohio State. You would think that would be enticing for a quarterback to want to come in, yeah. right? When you get a guy like that, phenomenal out of Florida. Florida, you know, you, you're talking states here. You talk, our audience understands there's good football everywhere, but Georgia, Texas, and Florida are are just uh, you can close your eyes and point your finger, and you're going to find kids. So you just mentioned what five top prospects for us, and you had three from Beaufort, Georgia, which is odd. And then, uh, you know, one from Texas, one from Florida. We got one more from Florida, right? Um, from IMG. Yeah, so, yeah. IMD down in Florida. So, aforementioned Jordan Seaton is uh, holding out, said he will not sign until after signing day. That's probably a grab in NIL dollars. Where did he commit, though? He's committed He already. committed to Colorado. So, Dion. So, mm -hmm. Dion got a, a, a top-notch high school kid. He's in the top. Is he considered a top? 10 prospect. Yeah, he's a t he's a five-star. He's okay. probably the best alignment in the class. So in addition to the six offensive line transfers, and maybe that's holding him up too. Maybe he saw the six transfers yeah. and he's wondering where he fits. But probably, you know, Occam's razor, the most logical reason is probably the reason. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't go to Colorado, Maryland would be the probably the most likely. Why Maryland? Maryland is not a household name in football. Yeah, um not Although sure. they have they have they have done better recruiting. Big Ten yeah. now. They have uh they've got Tunga Valoa from Alabama, yeah. right? Backup quarterback to his brother. Um but they, they they were they were pretty good this year, but how on earth are they in the mix for the number one lineman in America? Well, I'm not really sure. I'm sure NIL dollars not to sing the same song as we've been singing the whole time, but I'm sure NIL dollars have come into it. Occam's razor, yeah. we'll call it. Occam's razor. That's the theme of this one. So Anybody else you got on that that long list of prospects that you want to touch on? I think we got everybody. What um, what what else we got here for the audience? We got anything anything else that you wanted to cover 
on our last show of 2023? Well, the Big Ten schedule came out. Oh, okay. Forgot about that. Yeah. So what what are you seeing there in the Big Ten schedule? I'm seeing Michigan's got a, a real tough schedule. They mentioned this last week. Michigan plays Texas. That one's at home. It's a non-conference. It's at the yeah. big house. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they play at you. They play at home against USC. USC wasn't great this year, but they'll be better. How many weeks separate that? Two. Okay, so, so they, week two, then week four. So, so there's one week in between. Uh, yeah. And th- that's a game week. It's not like a bye week. Yeah. Okay. And then once again, two weeks later, they play at Washington. Oh. That that's going to be a tough one. No matter who you are, you play at Washington. Talk to Oregon. That's going to be a tough game. Yeah. And then this one's not the toughest game ever. Three weeks. Three weeks later, they play Michigan State. Uh, at the big house. That's okay. not going to be the toughest game, but it's still a rivalry yeah, game. Yeah, they, they come to play. This year, well, this year they crushed them. They yeah. ran it right down their throats, but uh, they uh, hopefully they'll be getting better. The very next week they play Oregon at home. That's going to be a tough one. We yeah. mentioned they got Dylan Gabriel. That's a great quarterback. Yeah. Um, they still got Dan Lanning as their head coach. That's going to be a tough one. Former, former Georgia, right? Lanning. Yeah. And uh, the next one is the – Protected rivalry game, Ohio State at Ohio State. Playing at Ohio State is never an easy game, no matter who you are. They beat them last year, but Ohio State, in Ohio State, as I said, Michigan beat easy. Michigan beat them three yeah. years in a row, and you know it's going to be tough. So we're looking at if I kind of read your notes back to you, you got week two. Michigan is a non-conference game at the Big House against Texas. They play USC in week four, Lincoln Riley. I mean, I don't care what they did this year; they'll be back next year. Michigan at Washington, so they have to go West Coast. That's a that's a heck of a trip geographically. Tough place to play, very good program. Week nine, they're at Michigan State, so they got three weeks, uh, or I'm sorry, they're at home against Michigan State. Then they're at home against Oregon, and then on the road against Ohio State in week 14. So that is, yeah. I mean, that's a gauntlet right there, and that's going to be year in and year out now with the Big Ten the way it is. So uh, tough schedule for Michigan. Uh, who else you got now with, with schedules that caught your eye? I got uh, Washington. Okay. Washington's schedule is not as tough as Michigan's, but if you compare it to anybody else that played this year, it's the toughest in college yeah. football. Uh, they play at Michigan, which is never easy, as we mentioned. Uh, they play USC at home. They beat them by two touchdowns this year, but as we said, we think USC will be back. Certainly will be. Um, then they play at Penn State the next week. That's a tough one. Penn State's recruits well. They're physical. Yeah, they're they're making strides. They're 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 still a little bit away from the Ohio State Michigan crowd, but I thought they were in that next tier this year. Their defense was as good as anybody. They just couldn't score. Yeah, and then the week fourteen in rivalry weekend, they will play at Oregon, which is a tough one. Yeah, thank God that West Coast rivalry found its way to the Midwest and the Big Ten. So yeah. we're looking at. Washington, uh, you know, again, they got Michigan, USC, Penn State, and Oregon. Not not quite as tough as uh, Michigan's schedule, but still, it's it's a uh, you could be looking at a three loss Big Ten team battling for a playoff spot. Many three loss Big Ten teams. Uh, yeah. Um, if I were to name a team that of the powerhouses in the Big Ten that had the easiest one, I would name Ohio State. Okay, so somebody wants somebody to be back in the mix next year, huh? Yeah. So their their business scheduling coordinator in the conference is just not nationally. So what's uh what's Ohio State's look like? Do they have? I mean, if there's there's always going to be at least two to three tough games. Yeah. So do they have two to three tough games? They have three. They play at Oregon in week seven. 
that's going to be a tough one. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose that one. Uh, Oregon's not easy to play against. Uh, week 10, they play at Penn State. Um, I would be surprised not to look ahead that far, but uh, I would be surprised if Ohio State lost that one. They've beaten them year in and year out every year. So, And then week 14, they play at home against Michigan. Um, that's a protected rivalry game. That's going to be a, obviously a tough one. It's Michigan, number one team in the country. So you don't think their first big challenge is until week seven, yeah. where everybody else is getting one by week three. Mm-hmm. So that schedule is not all that different than what they played this year. They played Penn State this year. They played Michigan. You just flip-flop the home and away. Yeah. They're at home against Penn State on the road against Michigan. And you maybe replace Oregon, who's better than Notre Dame. But at the time, Notre Dame was a top team, yeah. supposed to be. And uh, they were you know, two counting errors away from Notre Dame. Very high academic school, couldn't count to 11 twice. Yeah. They struggled. But yeah, it looks like uh, Ohio State should have a nice, at least, runway to a potential undefeated season. Yeah. Um, and then the probably the last one I want to touch on is USC. Okay. Uh, they play in a neutral site against LSU. Uh, LSU is probably not going to be a super big powerhouse, but it's still a tough non-conference game. Um, then you skip all the way to week uh, four. They play at Michigan. That's a tough one. Yeah. We mentioned before, uh, we already mentioned the USC-Washington game. That one's at Washington, week 10. And then week 7, the one we didn't mention is USC at, uh, at home against Penn State. Um, that's an interesting one. That'd be fun. It's not the two top. If you think off the top of your head, the two best teams in the Big Ten, you don't think Penn State or USC, but that's going to be They're next tier. Yeah, they're right there because two it's opposing opposites. Penn State is that defensive Group uh, USC is going to be free will. Although I do think USC is going to revamp. It looks like they're recruiting with the transfer portal and the high school kids. They're really locked in on that defensive side of the ball. So they got to tackle better. That's mm-hmm. not not to oversimplify it, but you also they've got that Notre Dame game yeah. still the rivalry. Mm-hmm. So That's U- USC has two non conference games uh, that are probably going to be against top twenty opponents: LSU, Notre Dame. So there's no cupcakes on their schedule. No. And then they've got Michigan at Michigan. They're at Washington again. And they add the grind of Penn State's defense. So that is, uh, can I make a prediction for you? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned two teams that I like watching. I'll tune in anytime Lincoln Riley's teams play, anytime uh, Jim Harbaugh. Becoming a big fan of Dan Lanning. I like the way he runs his business there. I don't think we see Jim Harbaugh or Lincoln Riley in college football next year. I think they're going to make a jump to the NFL. I have no, not heard from anybody specifically in either camp. There are always are rumors about Harbaugh for the last you know seven years. He's been taking a job. It looks a little bit more realistic this year, especially in light of the NCAA being pains in his rear end, uh, especially as of late. But uh, you know he stays locked in, and they look primed to do it. But I I think both both will get opportunities. Let's just leave it at that. Whether they go or not is up to them. Yeah. But uh, what else you got, man? Is that is that rounded out for the sauce this week, or you uh, got more stuff? I got one more. One Sorry, more. I one have... more team. Jump the gun. Yeah, I got okay. Oregon. Okay. Oregon's isn't the toughest you've uh, ever seen, but it's still tough. Um, Oregon plays uh, Ohio State in Week 7. Okay. They play that one at home. Ohio State's going to be tough. Um, then three weeks later, they play Michigan. Gotcha. At the big house. That's going to be a tough one. And then Week 14 in Rivalry Weekend, we mentioned earlier, they play uh, Washington at yeah. home. So, yeah, that, that whole Oregon, Michigan, Ohio State 
trio. To me, that's going to be that's three of what'll probably be the top seven, eight teams in the country right there. So not quite as tough as well, maybe I think it's tougher than Ohio State's. Yeah, they but they you're not say you're saying they don't have a real challenge in your mind until week seven. Everybody's a challenge, but yeah. not a real uh, killer like Ohio State until week seven. So they have some time to get better. So you could see an Ohio State, you could see an Oregon be rewarded by the committee probably mm-hmm. for having no losses. And, and you could see that, that be a possible number one, two battle in week yeah. seven. So not too bad. What else you got, man? Uh, I think that rounds it out. Okay. So we covered some transfer portal stuff, some high school recruiting. I think they did a real good job scheduling with the Big Ten. We hit the SEC last week. We chronicled the Florida State departure from the ACC. We called it last week. We followed it this week, and it came to fruition yesterday. So they're in the process of that that lawsuit and the buyout. And in our prediction now, don't take my prediction with Harbaugh and Lincoln Riley as anything major, but our prediction now is that Miami will follow. Yeah. Where will they go? Uh, Big Ten. I think Big Ten also. So the Big Ten, the rich get richer. Imagine adding Florida State and Miami yeah. to the middle of that pack there. You find out how good you are in a hurry. Well, uh, with that, audience, thanks so much. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. We are in episode 398 here on our network, up almost to 62,000 subscribers. We were at 3,000 last year at this time, so we appreciate your support. You know what to do with the sauce, five stars, write some great comments so we can battle the podcast world analytics just like they do in professional sports and college sports. To our sponsor, Blackout Coffee. Coffee's on the sauce this month. Tanner's paying for it. T-A-N-N, all caps, number 20. Get you 20% off at checkout. You'll get 15% in perpetuity. Use that code. Get his get coffee on him all this rest of this month and all the next year, 2024. And last push for Ted Kubiak's book, Old School and How to Field a Ground Ball, should be on every baseball lover's bookshelf. Um, three-time world champion. Slick field and shortstop. Make sure we get that book. So Tanner, great job. Enjoy doing the podcast with you. Um, you coming back next year? You sign that contract to come back with real voices of the game, or are you entertaining NIL money and potential transfer to another network? No transfer in here. I'm staying for another year if you'll have me. All right, good deal. We'll have you. We love it. So get ready for the closing of college football. We may come on with a spot show with with the sauce to cover the championships. But we'll be hitting some major college basketball in the new year with him. So start the questions flowing. We'll get our roundups in in the next week, and uh, we'll hit you there. With that, Real Voice of the Game. Have a good holiday. Stay.